Welcome to The Known Experience. I'm John Poitavent, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Scott. And today, we have Robbie Tubahan as our guest. Robbie is the city lead for Toronto, Canada for Lululemon, and he has an extraordinary story of how we went from personal trainer to gym owner to brand ambassador to helping develop their men's community across the southeastern United States and now in Canada. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us today. Good. Thanks for having me, fellas. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, you're in for a treat. Um, Robbie and I go back. Uh, did I meet you on the Asheville trip or were you not on the, I, or was it Puerto Rico or what was our first point of contact? Puerto Rico was second. I think it was like an Asheville. It was an it Asheville. Was, it was, it was the Asheville trip. Yeah. So, so everyone, I, I didn't at the time, I didn't even know that Lulu had a men's line and um, I was approached in my business in West Palm beach by this girl at the time. And she's like, Hey, I love what you do. And I think you should go on this trip. And it's, um, I can't give you any details. And so I went home and told, I told my wife that, <laughs> Hey, so this woman approached me at work and, uh, <laughs> said that she likes what I do and I need to go on a trip to Asheville. And, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to go. And, uh, you know, it was a 10 mile, uh, I think it was a 10 mile or something silent hike trip. And, um, I got there it was a pivotal moment in my personal life. It really was. I met, you know, Robbie and a bunch of different people from the, from Lululemon. Um, I turned into a maker ambassador for them, but Robbie has just been in and out of my life over the past. What uh, is it? Six years, six or seven, at least six, probably seven or eight, actually. Goodness. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been a while, but he, uh, you know, as I said, uh, he, he was just kind of pivotal in helping shape just how I was showing up at work and my personal vision. And that's what I loved about these guys is, uh, I, I went on the trip and I was like, man, I'm going to get sold on the brand, on the brand. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, it's, it, it's like a, a timeshare, right? I was like, I'll, I'll go on this trip, but I think it's gonna be a timeshare. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Robbie definitely wasn't that. So, so, Man, uh, give us your give us your quick quick story, right? Like, how did how did you uh, who are you and and where did you come from? Yeah, no, you are you are definitely a, um, someone that I've really looked up to in terms of how you manage and and put yourself out into community and and I think that that's something one of the reasons why we stayed connected for so long is because I believe that I I am a community oriented individual. I've always been that um, in Vancouver. I started a personal training company with a few friends. Uh, it was really awesome and difficult all at the same time. And through that business, my third personal training client was Chip Wilson, who was the founder of Lululemon. That's the the, I guess, like the magic, the magic key or like the golden <laughs> ticket for me right. in terms of. Yeah, you know, I, I actually didn't even know what Lululemon was at the time. I thought it was like some weird exotic fruit company. And this guy was really weird and strange, but he was super personable. And he really just cared about people, despite everything that you might have heard about him. Anyways, I love training him. I started training all of the staff at the time during the early years of the company. So really got it in, you know, really, I was really dug into the to the culture at the time. And they had me, even if I, even if I didn't know, they like had me mm. because of all the conversation around personal development and like, what do you want to do? Like, nobody asked me that. <laughs> what do you want to be? And so what I realized after, gosh, it was about eight years is that the business of personal training, it was just a vehicle. It wasn't what I wanted to do. My ultimate goal, which I thought was my life goal to open up a gym wasn't my life goal. It was probably the, it became the bane of my existence. And so I needed to get out. And so I decided I was going to sell out to my business partner at the time. It was really tough, probably one of the toughest decisions I've ever made in my entire life, but I did it. didn't know what the hell I was going to do. And luckily I had friends at Lululemon that said, come and work with us. And I was like, I have no idea about what the heck you guys do and how to sell black stretchy pants. And, and they said, luckily enough, they're like, you, we're, not, we're not bringing you in because of that. We're bringing you in because you are who you are. And um, we see you as a really big community guy for us. And so that was, that was about 
12 years ago, which was amazing. It was the start of my second second career or second life, I would say. Yeah. So you said you thought owning a gym was your dream and you got your dream and realized it wasn't your dream. And then Lulu came along and said, we want you to be a part of us, not because you're a gym owner, but because of who you are. So that begs the questions for me. What is your dream and who are you? Great questions. Some big questions for this podcast. I love it. <laughs> My dreams, you know, I don't necessarily have a one. I think what that taught me was I shouldn't have one specific dream. Yeah, yeah. I should have a vision for what I need to feel like. And what I want to feel like, my vision for how I want to feel is that I want to be surrounded by people that I love and care for, like they're, like my family. I want to be impactful in my work. I want to be taken care of um, to provide abundance in my life so that I don't have to worry about the, like I was worrying about the time where I didn't have a job, right? And so uh, there's a lot of feelings that are, that I, that I, that I aspire to rather than like a specific goal. Uh, who I am, oh gosh, man, I, uh, I'm I'm somebody that just loves community. I, I would literally, I was just at a workout this morning with 400 people and um, it just felt like I was at home, even though I knew a quarter of them, it just felt like I was in the right place um, for me. Wow. So. Okay, so Sean's going to talk to you in a minute about community and why that is so important to you. And I want to hear that too. But I'm not going to let you off that easy. <laughs> I know you want to say, hey, I don't know why they hired me or what they saw in me. But if I were to ask them, like, why did you hire this personal trainer who knows nothing about fashion or athletic wear to work for you and to be a, a representative of your brand? What do you think they would say that they saw in you? I I really believe, even though I didn't know it at the time, one of my biggest core values is impact and the company itself, whether they've, we've said it or not implicitly impact is very important. And so to be able to have people working for the brand that are, don't just want impact because they know it's a good business decision, but know it's the right thing to do. um, That's what I, that's what I look for. I always look for impact in whatever I do. And I know that that's what the company uh, looks for as well. And so I think just the synergy of the two made a lot of sense. Yeah. So, so in your entire time, you know, if you look at your resume with Lulu, it's, it's all community-based. A large part of it is, was centered around men's uh, community. Um, That has to be, you know, as you said, stretchy pants, right? A lot of guys, there's not, uh, it was that was not Lulu's main um, demographic. So has that been challenging to not only represent a brand but build community in that role with the with your company? Yeah, or- I like to tell I like to tell my old men's team mates that I probably had the toughest region to build the men's business, the Southeast U.S. And so how how are you changing the perspective? Uh, first of all, men that may not even know that the brand exists. Right. Secondly, uh, you know, m- men that may not be open to a specific type of conversation, like the ones that we're having right now, in terms of being open and being vulnerable um, and showing a side of you that you probably shouldn't show. And so it it became challenging. But the second I started to meet people like you, Sean, um, who really cared about this conversation, it became easy. And it became yeah. fun. It became a, a huge challenge. Right. So you guys use ambassadors and I don't know how that program's changed since I was. Um, we but- support ambassadors, Sean. Yeah. We don't use them. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Let, let the record note. Um, <laughs> but that, that I think for me, that was the differentiating factor, right? Was on these trips, you, develop the person, right? Which was seemed unusual for a huge corporation, right? To spend this, the time, your time and resources developing the person. And then like, we were your models on the wall, right? You didn't have top athletes. You had the coffee shop guy working out, right? (laughs) Um, I was your model, right? For on, on the wall. Um, So that piece of 
making your ambassadors feel known was massively powerful for me, right? Empowering, Mm -hmm. but explain that strategy, right? (laughs) To, to, because it really was about making them feel known, empowering them. Um, And so what does that internal dialogue look like? And, and have you been part of shaping that over the years? Yeah, I, so I was, uh, part of my role was, one of my roles was the ambassador program manager. I actually wrote that job description for the company because I was an ambassador in 2006. There wasn't a centralized manager role for that program. It would just all existed from store to store. And so I was like, this is kind of weird that we don't have somebody overseeing it. So I wrote the, wrote the job description, put it on the desk of my boss for about a year. Like, we need this, we need this job. We need this job. And finally they they said, okay, let's do it. I don't know how much impact I had on the role uh, at the time, uh, but it now has a, it now has its own team now and, and it's, it's global. So it's like this cool little piece of my legacy that I, that I'm super proud of, uh, but it, it did give me a lot of insight into what was needed for our ambassadors. And so when I think about an ambassador and what they're up to, right? So they're usually entrepreneurs. They're usually people that want to create impact. They usually need some type of support and amplification of who they are and what they're up to. And it became our way of supporting their community. So it's a bigger difference when a company like Lululemon goes out and does things and gives money to to communities versus if we were to get behind individuals and really support what they were up to in the way that they believe their communities needed to be supported. Yeah. It's very, there's something that's very resonating about that. And, um, and also it's very different from how other brands are doing it. We're not paying $90 million for an athlete over the course of 10 years. You know, we're really, we're really wanting to support, you know, anybody from, you know, a coffee shop owner to somebody who's just starting their personal training business. But yeah, I think the authenticity piece is the biggest, the biggest part is just that we want to make sure that we're in great authentic relationships with every one of our ambassadors and so that they can connect to their communities in a really authentic way. You know, Robbie, if I'm honest, when I hear leaders talk about authenticity and vulnerability being values, uh, and I disclaimer, those are values of our podcast. Uh, but I feel like as a leader, whenever you say those things, it's almost like they can, they can become contrived and edited and very strategic versions of authenticity and vulnerability, which by its very nature, it's no longer authentic and vulnerable, right? If, if you're really calculating and how you do it. So how do you think um, with, with an organization like Lululemon, how do you think that you can maintain the authenticity of authenticity if that's even like the right way to say it uh, i don't know integrity um, yeah <laughs> the integrity <laughs> of authenticity right <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good that's a really good question i don't know if i have a great answer for it but i do know this uh when we're selecting ambassadors for instance there's a lot of intuition and a lot of gut feeling that we place in a decision i we don't, we don't look at a resume. We don't see like the, you know, this is what this person has done. It's, we used to say this and I don't know, how, I don't know how um, appropriate this is to say anymore, but it's just like, if we could have a beer with somebody and really just like chill and hang out in the same way that I went and hung out with Sean at tacos and hip hop and, and feel like I'm at home, like we got to listen to that. And I, and so yeah, it's a it's a really tough one, John, in terms of in terms of like making sure that we're staying authentic without over authenticizing things. <laughs> That's even a word. <laughs> uh, but it's but regardless of how difficult it is, it's so important and it should never be it should never be forgotten. Should never be like put by the wayside. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of something I heard someone once say about leadership. They said, if somebody wants leadership, I don't give it to them. But if they want responsibility, I give them both. Mm. And I kind of imagine that that's how it is with Lululemon, right? People so much want to be affiliated with your brand that if they're overzealous about it, 
they they might not be the kind of person you're looking for. Ooh, this is th- yeah, John. Sorry to interrupt you there, but this is like hot hot tip for anybody who's thinking of wanting to become an ambassador out there. <laughs> when somebody comes to us and says, "I want to be an ambassador," it's probably a red flag that <laughs> that we you're not going to be an ambassador. I usually we find the ambassadors because they're just doing what they're doing in the community. And they're doing it without without any questions. It's the whole giving without expectation type thing, especially this in, in this day and age now with all the influencer, uh, the the society of influencers that we have. When somebody wants to be an ambassador, you have to understand like what are their motivations behind them wanting to become an ambassador. So yeah, if you're listening yeah. out there, play hard to get, act like you don't want it. <laughs> maybe they'll give it to you just do it do good do what you're doing right right yeah yeah be consistent yeah you know one thing i do with my side hustle uh vacarigroup.com blatant plug um is help leaders build organizational culture and uh, one of the most important parts of that is that you you build the organization uh, by filling it with people who embody the very culture that you want to see expressed there. And I see this as such a big part of your story. You were attracted to the founder and the staff, not because of their clothing brand or their aesthetic, but because of the culture, because of who they were. And then they hired you based on culture and chemistry, who you were and that you embodied what they want Lululemon to be. And then they said, we can train you to do all the other things. We can teach you about the industry side of the business. So I'm just curious, what with culture being such a huge uh, value for who they are, what they do, uh, how do they maintain that culture? What do they do intentionally to carry on and maintain the culture that's at the heart of the organization? Yeah, it's a really great question. I Well, you can understand how in the growth of the company, how we've needed to really hire people that have specialization in roles across the board, right? So, you know, you, before it would have been easy just to say, hey, that guy's a good guy, bring him in and we'll, we'll teach him the skills to be able to, to work at the company. And now it's this, you know, we're a, a multi-billion dollar um, global company that needs specific people in specific roles. And I think what the company has done a really good job at is that, you know, we have specific departments that speak the language of culture, you know, whether it's personal development, um, whether it's, um, you know, really understanding uh, how to develop people as leaders, as we've always done, and keeping that top of mind. And I think our leaders have been very, very uh, consistent with that conversation, regardless of how they've turned over over the last couple of years, you know? So we have a lot of people that didn't grow up with Lululemon who are being introduced into the culture, you know, as senior leaders. And yet there's still a really strong connection to culture because I think they truly believe that that's something that needs to continue. And that's essentially our secret, not so secret sauce. Yeah. What, what tools do do they give you, Robbie? And and those like, you know, to, because we're, you know, we're, we're this podcast is is around knowing others, knowing yourself, the curiosity behind it all, um, and just the work that it takes, you know. Um, so, in developing community um, and creating those the culture that we talked about, it also requires them focusing on you as an individual. So, what do you, what have you experienced? Maybe there's a powerful moment that that they that they provided you, you know what. There's, there have been so many, Sean. Like, I used to tell people, I believe that Lululemon is a leadership development company before it's a retail company. So from top to bottom, you know, from your first step into the store as an educator, you know, somebody who's working on the floor, um, to becoming a store manager, to, be, to working at our head office, there's always been some type of conversation around how are you developing as an individual vision and goals is like the, the, the perfect um, example of what we've done with people in terms of how do you 
how do you develop that skill of being able to write your vision, write a set of goals on a yearly basis? Uh, I mean, I've, I've been trained as an internal coach. Like I've gone through CTI coaching in to be able to coach internal staff. There's a program. It's a beautiful program that we've developed over the last couple of years. Emily Carterman, who's um, the leader of that program, they basically created a program where we've trained up. And I think it now it's something like 200 coaches to be able to internally coach staff members through career coaching, through parenthood, through just like life coaching um, on demand. If you just need 30 minutes to talk to somebody, I mean, it's, it's such a, that is such a beautiful example of the type of things that we're doing to support our people and not only support our people through like the hard times, but actually like elevate them to this place of leadership. I love that idea that you're a leadership development organization that happens to sell athletic wear. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Simon Sinek talks about how we are all called to develop and elevate the people that uh, we're leading. That he, he even says that leadership in some ways is reparenting. I want to share this quote from J.W. Marriott. Uh, it's one of my favorites. He says, motivate them, train them, care about them, and make winners out of them. We know that if we treat the employees right, they will treat the customers right. And if we treat the customers right, the business will take care of itself. Does that strategy feel similar to what you've experienced at Lululemon? Yeah, I agree with everything, except I would put the way that we've done it is, or the way that I've experienced it at the company is care about them as first. So, so I've always felt the care first before anything else. And that I think makes a huge difference. And I think it's one of those, I think it's one of those things that uh, uh, signifies job satisfaction when they've done studies on it. It's like, how much does your boss actually care about you? Or how much do you perceive your boss caring about you? And I think that that's one of the things that I've always felt uh, from any of my leaders. Uh, shout out, shout out to all my managers out there. So you moved, you moved back to Toronto from Miami um in your shift of you know southeast like this kind of global perspective and shaping then you were in you know my and i'm it's probably all out of uh order but I went, I went global to like regional and now what global regional and now i'm like city yeah yeah so 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 explain to me in that you know which <laughs> which which sounds great right just from you know um but on on the career it doesn't it looks like the reverse of like what normal people would do so so tell me tell me why yeah, you're, what um... normal people would do i love that <laughs> i yeah i listen i this is this is one of those moments of like knowing myself is yeah. that i do better at this at this micro level yeah i know that i make more impact when i am one-on-one -on -one, face to face when i'm with people i i I think when I was the gym owner, I had these delusions of grandeur. I'm going to open up thousands of facilities and change the change the fitness world. It's not bad to think about that, but but where am I really strong? And where do I make the most impact? And that's when I'm with people one on one and having those conversations. So this move, it, it might sound like a step down for a lot of people, but if anything, it was a step up for me in terms of how I how I'm moving towards my own fulfillment. Yeah. And if I'm moving in that direction, I think it's positively correlated to the amount of impact that I'm making. Wow, Robbie, I, that's so huge. I hope somebody that's out there listening, that's struggling in their work or their career, hears that and is encouraged because, uh, you know, the Peter Principle teaches us that we typically promote people to their level of incompetence. Like we take people who are good at managing people or doing a task and then we put them in a place of managing the task or managing a large group of people where they don't have the relationships that they once had and suddenly they're out of their element. And, uh, you know, we had Rob Murray on this podcast a few weeks ago and Rob said that, you know, whenever we get those critiques from work, rather than be defensive about them or uh, trying to spin it so that we look better, we might be better served if we actually like consider it. Maybe I'm not great at that. Maybe I have been moved to a position that's not a great fit for me. 
But I would also like to note that the reason you were able to receive a critique like that, you were able to negotiate that with your leadership, is that there was trust. Mm -hmm. That you believed that they cared for you and they wanted the best for you. It wasn't just about the business. It wasn't just about money. And because of that, you were able to hear it and receive it and actually find yourself in a place that's much better. Oh, my gosh, man, you've you've just hit the nail on the head, John. Yeah, I'd, I, uh, I often hear stories about people, my friends working in other industries and companies and that have come out of a meeting and, and have heard feedback and do not accept it at all. And the first question I ask is like, well, do you know where they, where it came from? Do you, do you, do you have an idea? Like where, where is it coming from? And, you know, the, the typical answer is that my boss, my boss is, uh, you know, he's just trying to get a rise out of me or like, he doesn't know me or he doesn't, he's really just trying to, to show me up in front of people. And that doesn't come from a place of care. That doesn't come from a place of compassion. Right. So anytime I've gotten really uh, like really tough feedback, I think I've, I've had to like sit with it for a second and yeah, it hurts the ego. Don't, don't get me wrong. It always is going to like feel not great when somebody tells you you're not doing the job that you need to be doing. But like you said, John, it, it, it softens the blow when you know it's coming from a place of this person is just trying to help me improve at the end of the day. And usually that's, that's, that's been the case at Lululemon. It's like, I can't even think of a, in an instance where somebody berated me in, in a meeting or like in a, in a feedback conversation. Like I was telling somebody the other day, I don't think I've ever heard anybody yell at each other at a meeting at our company, which is really weird. Um, yeah, that's rare, right? But I think because it comes back to this idea of self-awareness and, and I think with self-awareness comes self-regulation and that's a piece that I'm like so grateful for the company, not only for the people that I've been interacting with, but for myself too. I, I come from a, I come from a, I come from a, a Filipino immigrant family where money was short and tempers were high. And I just remember how quickly, like our family just wanted to fight, 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 no matter what it was. And it was just this like, this tension that was always there. And through through the work that I've been able to do at, at, at Lululemon, it has really mitigated that, that part of me, which is really insane because I'll talk to my sister and my sister will, sorry, Gina, I'm going to have to say this, but um, there have been times where she, like, she's come at me and, I'm, and I usually would like puff up like a bear. And now I'm like, hey, are you all right? <laughs> which is something that our family would never have done, you know? You know, that's a great example of that idea from Simon Sinek about how leadership is sometimes reparenting. You know, we have people that come in that maybe they grew up in a family where it's not safe to communicate about your needs or your differences or mm. conflict always ended up in a massive fight. And you can help create a new environment where they experience those things in a different way than they ever have before. And you're not only doing it for the sake of the business but you're mm -hmm. also helping them grow as a person and like what greater privilege can there be as a leader? Yeah. 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 I think another really important piece of that, and it goes back to the very first question John asked you um, about like what your dream is. And you kind of said just essentially, and maybe I heard it wrong, but kind of finding your sweet spot in how you feel about life. Right. <laughs> like, mm. which is kind of contentment, joy, gratefulness, you know, all that. If you experience that in your life, in your daily life, that's a good life. Right. And that's, that's the dream. Right. But I think to, to hear the criticism and, or make the choice that goes against ego, right. Especially for, and this is a generalization, but for guys, as we move on, you know, forties and fifties are supposed to be your most productive years where you're, you're the King, right. You're making the most money you'll ever make. You'll be in the highest position of power. Um, like those are your golden years. So to, to consciously say, actually, this is what I'm better at. This is what brings me the most joy, connectedness with the community, um, time, uh, quality interaction is kind of difficult for us. A lot of us, right. When, when, sure. when our goals and our dreams are external that are, you know, 
are really not achievable. And we've kind of talked about this in previous episodes, but when you set some of these goals, right, whether it's earning or power, they all become the norm. And then you have to make that, you have to raise the bar higher, right? Many, most of us don't reach our goals and we're like, okay, now we're good. You set another goal that's higher, harder, you know, Um, when it's not based on, you know, and it sounds, I'm not saying the intangibles and like being lost in the emotion, but that place of contentedness and gratefulness and understanding what is good for you and then tying that into your career cho- choices is is critical. Yeah, and, and I don't I don't think my path is the path that everybody should go down. <laughs> right, right. Right? Like I this is this is my path. This is what this is what feels good for me and I am lucky enough to have people around me that understand that and don't try to talk me out of it and they support they see me when I'm at my best and when I'm like living my fullest in my fullest expression of myself and they see when I'm being myself and they're like whatever it is that you're doing just keep doing that right and so I'm very very lucky to have those people but I don't I don't necessarily think it's for for everybody in the way that I've gone through my my journey and I don't definitely don't judge other people in in the ways that they want to go about their journey like having kids I probably am not going to have kids and people say it's going to be like the one of the best things that you'll ever do and I'm like it it just sounds like I'm going to get sick all the time and I'm going to change diapers and then they're going to hate me when they grow up like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I like but that's that's my reality and I support whatever reality that you live in I think what I what I love to do, and this is with a lot of the the people that I coach and the people that I have conversations with, specifically men, is is creating that awareness. Right? What it, what is it that you do? What lights you up? What do you love? And not love because somebody else loves it, or not love because you just love the taste of pizza, but what actually lights you up? You know, and I think can't remember who said this, maybe it was Dave Chappelle, but he said, you know, men haven't been afforded the time to think about that. Mm. And I just so had just so happened to be, you know, I'm 47. So I've had a lot of time to think about to think about that and to reflect. But if there was any gift that I can give any man, it's just more time to sit and reflect. Mm. And just to think about, think about those things that, that are rooted in your core values, why it is that you love these things, why it is that you don't love these things and why it's okay to, to move towards the things that you love versus the ones that you don't. Yeah. I would think that most of us did not have that modeled for us by our parents. And some of it is probably because they didn't have the luxury of the time to reflect on those things, but it also just wasn't part of the culture. Right. Um, and so I, I do think we have this benefit now of all these resources to help us do that. Um, and we really just have to make the time for ourselves Um, For me, something that's been really helpful in that is friends. Inviting people that know me well to share with me what they see in me, what they see light me up or get me excited, uh, what makes my eyes shine. Mm. Um, Have you had that experience of friends and people close to you helping you discover yourself and helping you see what inspires you? All the time. All the time. And I, I used to hate it when they would say that stuff to me because I didn't want to change because I wanted to keep, I wanted to keep the status quo. And I knew that if I was to chase whatever feeling that it was at the time, I'd have to change specific things in my life. And so, um, you know, along with, along with understanding that, uh, having that awareness and having somebody point out to you, there might be a different path. There's this uh, thing of pattern recognition and pattern breaking that becomes so important um, to be able to, you know, have the courage to be able to do that and to not to say that I'm a courageous person, but there are things that I, I do feel like I was very courageous in, in terms of saying no to a career that I thought was my career. I had to, I had to put my foot down. It felt awful at the time, but I didn't know that I was being courageous. I just knew that I was at rock bottom and it mm-hmm. didn't feel good. So what to, what practical tools would you would you give a guy that may be living a life that 
isn't supported in any of those ways, right? Like what, how do they start the journey? Um, you know, because it's probably not going to be a buddy. (laughs) Maybe it is right. Maybe it's as Kurt, one of our previous guests said, he's, he's the guy in, in his group that, they're like, oh, here goes Kurt again. You know, that's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I got a I got a vision and goals award at my CrossFit gym one year. The guy most likely to take you through vision and goals. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 it's but it's actually really important, right? So so are there kind of some foundational practices that that you share to anyone? You know, like hey, just start doing these. Yeah, to help. Number one, therapy. I think every every man. I think every individual, whether things are good or bad, I think it's a really great practice to, to see a therapist or a counselor. And I, I think that's one of my goals in life. If we can, if I can help dispel the stigma of therapy, it's been so helpful for me. And the reason why is that, yeah, you could have your buddies like me that you can talk to and, and, and break things down with, but therapists are trained professional. They can get you through specific things that you don't even know exist. That's, that's the first step, I think. And then, and then after that, for me, I, you know, it's very, it's very simple. It's like developing habits and strong rituals, atomic habits. Like mm-hmm. if you haven't read the book, atomic habits yet, that's that you have to read that book. And the, one of the reasons why I love that book so much is because it's not, it's not just about this idea of changing habits. It's about identifying yourself or like creating a new perspective of how you identify yourself. So instead of being somebody that, um, you know, you might think of yourself as somebody that, man, I, I just lack integrity, right? It actually helps you think about the idea of like, I want to be somebody that lives with a lot of integrity is known for integrity and i have habits that are going to back that up right so it really gets you to think about like the the self-identification piece first rather than just like looking on instagram and seeing i need to start this this and that and doing all these habits for no reason at all if that makes sense absolutely and i too do not recommend scrolling instagram for figuring out what to do next with your life But I do recommend therapy, and the book Atomic Habits is great in helping us bring some discipline to that. Uh, What else do you practice on a regular basis that just helps you stay more connected with yourself, your thoughts, and your feelings? Uh, So journaling is something that I do on a daily basis. And whether it's journaling, you know, free, just, you know, just writing like free association, or I've used like the journaling books that have specific prompts. There are great apps out there that you could use to just ask you a question. And it's just this practice of reflection that I think is so important. And once again, it goes back to this idea. You're taking the time to get to know yourself better and to reflect on specific things, even if it's five minutes per day. Um, and then, you know, from a from a community standpoint, it's a, it's a little bit of a tougher one because, you know, everybody has their, their specific tolerance levels with, with community and how they interact with community. But yeah, I think it's, it's something that I've just been hearing a lot of is who you're surrounding yourself with is like, you, you need to take it, take account of your community, you know, who makes you feel good and who, who doesn't. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to tie this part in because this is who you work for, but on, on the physical side, mm-hmm. right? Like, wh- like wh- what, what's your view on the discipline of whether it's yoga or running or like what, what role does that play in your emotional health? And, and what do you encourage people to oh, do? Man. The sweat, the whole sweat once a day thing sounds so cheesy yeah. when I say it like the sweat once a day, but it, there is, there is, there is science behind it. Right. right. There's like true <laughs> right. science behind it, whether you're getting up and moving, you know, even if it's just going for a walk, gosh, I've been reading a lot of really amazing stuff from the Huberman Huberman labs about, you know, getting, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of sunshine in the morning or, or specific light. And then, yeah, man, I think it's, you know, I love, I love podcasts or, or information sources like that because I become the science experiment. What do I need to try that, that is going to work? What doesn't work? I've recently been messing around with like a sleep routine 
that I'm realizing doesn't work. And then I change, literally changed it last night and I feel like a million bucks today. So it's, it's, that's been really cool to, to use myself as that science experiment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of our values is curiosity and mm, something my love that. therapist has been working with me on is to see things with curiosity rather than criticism and cynicism. Uh, even in, when it comes to things dealing with myself and my body, my health, mm -hmm. um, you know, if my shoulder's hurting or my stomach hurts rather than think, oh, my shoulder hurts or I've got a stomach ache to ask myself, what's my body need? Like, yeah. be curious oh, I love that. about what does my body need? Why am I feeling this way? And how can I be better attuned to helping my body rather than judging it? So, so first of all, thank you for sharing that you talk to a therapist and secondly, I love, I love that like internal curiosity. Uh, that's so great. Yeah. Thank you. For well, that. thank you. It is something I mentioned often on here because uh, it is something I want to help destigmatize, especially among men that we get help when we need it mentally and emotionally. Yes. Um, yeah. That, that kind of therapy is called somatic therapy and it helps tie in the body, the mind, the heart. Um, because they don't operate isolated from each other in silos. It, we are one being, and we've got to look at ourselves that way. It's fascinating stuff. It's very fascinating. Yeah. You know, Robbie, in closing, I'd like to circle back kind of to where we started. Because um, your story is really interesting in the, that early on in your career, you got what you dreamed of. You got what you thought you wanted. And I think um, often we hear these stories of people who do that. Maybe they win the Super Bowl. Maybe mm -hmm. they get the job they always wanted, um, but they're not happy. And I think there's this notion that if you achieve your dreams and you're not happy, that it's more depressing than if you had never achieved them at all. Like, do you think that's the case? What would you say? Is it more depressing? Uh, so uh, this is, I'll say this. Okay, so like, there's a there's an icebreaker question that I always put out to to groups when I'm facilitating group sessions or whatnot, and it's if there was a movie that was made about your life, what what would it what would it be, right? And so I always say Shawshank Redemption for my for my life. Not that I've been to jail. I've never been to jail. Just wanted to clear that with everybody. But it's because I was in a jail for a certain amount of time, right? and I got out. And yes, it was sad being in that jail for a little while. Uh, but I felt like Tim Robbins, you know, in that, that one shot where he gets out of the pipe and he, he's standing in the sewer gutter and he's, the rain is falling on him like that. It could be the saddest point, but it, it, it's that like low point before you hit the high. Right? So I think that there's something that's, that's really beautiful about getting to a point where you've, you've hit someplace where you thought that you were supposed to be at, and it's not there. That just means that there's just possibility that's on the other side and you're whole, you're resourceful, you're capable. And, and there's something that is going to be better on the other side there for you. So I just, yeah, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but I think this is a really good point to, to make my identity, my identity, if you can imagine for the last 20, 23 years has been wrapped up in my identity as Robbie from Lululemon. And so how do I decouple that? Right? And there have been a few moments over the last few years where I've really been challenged in terms of like, who am I if I'm not working for Lululemon, if I'm not Robbie, the community guy there? And it's, and honestly, I'm not a person that gets scared or terrified often, but the thought of that terrified me mm. for, and I, and then I had to get curious, like why, why does it terrify me so much? What is it that that I'm tethered to that is making me feel like I'm I don't have an identity if I don't have Lululemon? And so it put me onto this path of curiosity and and really I'm trying to understand what 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 are the things that are truly important to me? What are the things that truly light me up? And then to go back to all the way back to your original question, John, who am I? I am I am Robbie Tubahan. I am not Robbie Tubahan who works for Lululemon. You know, at the end of the day, even though I love the company, you know, but I have my own identity, and uh, and it's there's something beautiful about about being able to see that now. Yeah.
So Robbie, you've talked a lot about your journey from, uh, you know, entrepreneur in the fitness industry, having this dream of not just having a gym, but having multiple gyms all over the country, realizing that your dream wasn't really your dream and kind of the grief of that, I'm sure of a dream dying. And then, um, kind of discovering a new sense of self and fulfillment um, for for guys that are listening to this that may be in this place of like, man, I, I, I've journeyed for years to try to get where I'm at and I'm not happy. I don't even know what my dreams or um, desires are anymore. Um, but I feel like I've got to make a change because I'm dying inside what what would you suggest to that guy who's listening right now is maybe like some first steps in that yeah i think that the first thing would be like you're not the only you're not the only only one out there that this is happening to there are a lot of people that have been chasing their dreams and and real having that same realization and and you know the more that i talk to guys and open up about my experience the more that they open up about theirs and it is more common that you think our society tells us that it isn't, but it completely is. I mean, just look at Sean. And I mean, I still have to talk to you about your experience with, with subculture and how that went down, but you know, like I know that I can talk to you about it now. So I, I would want all the guys out there who are listening to this, just to know that it's okay, man. You're, you're, first of all, you're going to be okay. And there are a lot of us out there that either have experienced it or are experiencing it right now. I think those are huge. Remember that you're not alone. There's other people who are going through this and have gone through this before. And this isn't where the story ends, right? At times like that, I always try to remember this too shall pass. This is not the end of the story. Well... It has been a great conversation, Robbie. I uh, I, I really appreciate um, you coming on and um, any any stuff that you that is valuable to you. We'll we'll try to drop in the show notes for you guys. If there's books or anything else that he sends our way, we'll we'll make sure to throw those resources up so you can follow through. Um, John and I will kind of have the we'll have the after show to talk about him when he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Robbie, we do this segment called After the Interview, where Sean and I actually sit around and talk about you after you leave. So you're going to have to subscribe to the podcast to hear that part. Oh, that's how it works. That's how it works. Sneaky, yeah. you sneaky <laughs> podcasters. Well, buddy, it's been great getting to know you and uh, having you on the podcast. Would love to have you come out on one of our uh, adventures with us. I think that would be a blast. thousand percent. Yeah, let me know. Yeah, let me know for sure. And I'll be looking for those Lululemon pants in the mail. Just got to send me your info, bro. Uh, I'm a large. Okay. Thank you again, Robbie. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And hang around about 15 seconds, and we'll drop into after the interview. Welcome back to After the Interview. We just had a great conversation with Robbie Tubahan from Lululemon. And, you know, Sean, what really stood out to me was this idea that it's never too late to reinvent yourself, to redirect your course. And that may not seem like we're going up and to the right. It may even seem like we're going backwards, but we're getting more in tune with what we really find joy in in life or where we really find ourselves called to be. Uh, as somebody who's a serial entrepreneur like yourself, you've reinvented yourself many times. You've had successes. You've had failures. Uh, is that something that resonated with you also? Yeah, no, it 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 did, and and it made me realize, you know, with his help in particular and others in his organization, they're like you cannot underestimate uh, culture, right? And you actually have to be active. So it's not just about hiring the right people. It's about taking care of them. And like their further development isn't just their job and they have to show up and do well and be a good person. You know, this is going to take a concerted effort on your part. And that's what's going to separate you and create the culture that you want. It's it's not just you telling them what the culture is going to be. Um, it's not just that simple. And um, but then, uh, you know, I think just the the whole identity part is so critical to 
right. That, that we were, that we were talking about um, and that we kind of touched on, but in extracting our identity from, from what we do um, through identifying our core values. Right. I think a lot of people haven't done that work again, not because they don't want to, but it's how do you, how do you get there? Right. Um, there's, 50 things I could pick. I don't know. I love doing a lot of things. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. you know, it's it's really a challenge when your identity is so wrapped up with your job. You know, one thing that Robbie said was, you know, I just was always identified as Robbie the Lululemon guy. And that can be a challenging thing to deconstruct. Who am I? And that's easier if you leave a job like you and I did and go somewhere totally new and you have to start from scratch. Or if you lose a job, but how do you do that while you're in the middle of your job? And he said it really came down to identifying his core values and his sense of mission. And he suggested that we maybe do that as a podcast in the future, helping men define their own mission in life and their own core values. And I think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even know if I'm the guy to do that. I feel somewhat that process was always difficult for me. Um, there was a lot of gaps whenever I went through that with them and, you know, they'd ask me a question and I'd talk about the, us, um, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think we always want to have the perfect answer for those things. Yeah. And when you operate, you know, for someone like me, where I tend to operate out of my intuition, which is kind of undefined, right. But when you get used to, um, I'm a bit of a procrastinator, but my personality type, I always can pull it out and it's usually good work and people usually congratulate me. <laughs> so it's the same thing with that, right? I'm like, oh, my gut works, <laughs> but I never really uh, put the put the work into oh, what, what does the gut mean? What is it even saying? Are you listening? Like, what are you listening to? Like, what is that feeling? And so when <laughs> I was way out of shape in that context so it's just not easy but yeah i can totally relate to that and uh you know as people that are more kind of gut centered and less uh strategic uh, maybe about things uh i think it's a challenge to us to really take the time to articulate those things and there's a lot of great tools out there that will help us. I know you've used some through Lululemon. Uh, I do think it would be a great idea for us to revisit that on a future podcast. Um, I also hope that Robbie will join us for one of our known adventures. Uh, for those of you that are new to this, uh, we take trips several times a year with men where we bring one of our podcast guests up to a beautiful place in the mountains. We enjoy the outdoors some, but we also have some intentional conversations and some uh, exercises or practices that help us discover ourselves and really get to know each other and find strength in that. So uh, follow us on Facebook if you want more info on that or our website, uh, knownexperience.com. Also, if you haven't yet, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform that you listen to podcasts on. That way you'll know whenever we have a new episode up. And please feel free to share with your friends. On behalf of Sean and myself, thank you for joining us once again. And we hope that you continue to experience the power 